This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek. Today I'm with Steve Cockham, as always. Steve, how are you today? I'm very well. You've got your radio presenter voice on today, Jeremy. I do. I do. I'm actually... Is that because you're showing off to our guests? We we have guests here in the studio today. In fact, we're live together outside of London in a place called George Cross in the home of Steve and Helen Cockrum. Whoop, whoop. So with that today, we have some guests, and the guests happen to be... Steve, why don't you share who the guests are? Our guests are the most important ladies in Giant, or after last night, what we call our dream girls. They are Helen and Kelly, which some of you have heard a lot about, but none of you, many of you, have never heard speak. So we need to introduce them Helen, and prove they're real. Helen Cockrum and Kelly Kubitschek. Uh, can you say a word for us? Say he- Good morning. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> they're real. See, everyone? We're actually, they're real. They might need to give a little more information to prove that we didn't just bring in two females with different voices to prove. And they're not really excited to be here, uh, to be honest with you all. They're like, really? We have to do this? Can we go now? You can't go yet. Just yet. So um, tell them a little bit about what we've been doing over the last couple of days. Well, we've been enjoying wonderful time with Steve and Helen and celebrating five years of Giant Worldwide. Five years, and in five years, um, tell them how it all began, um, Helen. Tell them where we started Giant Worldwide. Okay, so we met you guys um, in the States, and we knew you quite well there. Um, we used to do Thanksgiving together, but we never really thought we'd get the chance to work with each other. Um, but one thing led to another, and you guys brought your family um, to London for an adventure. And where, where do we live? Okay, so I was in charge of finding accommodation for you. And you were coming over, I was feeling very pressured to find two houses quite close together. Um, couldn't find anything, there was absolutely nothing. Um, so Kelly and I were looking online and um, I think Kelly maybe found um, Heads of Priory, which is where we ended up living all together um, in a beautiful old manor house with lots of space and non-stop guests. And so for those listening, and because this is r- really a radio type uh, interview here, so Kelly, tell them about the experience of Hetzer, like give them the sensor details uh, around Cookham and around that whole area. Like what did we do the last couple of days? Well, to add to that, I remember sending that picture to Helen and saying, jokingly saying, we could all live here. So the irony of us actually it coming about was great. Um, but Hedzer Priory is about a mile from the Thames, mile and a half from the Thames. So if you picture beautiful English countryside, rolling hills up on a hill next to the Hedzer House, which has a lot of famous history, um, it was beautiful. Uh, it had two wings, so we each had a wing for our family with shared common spaces of a drawing room, large dining room, large laundry and kitchen with an auger. And as introverts, obviously, Jeremy and I struggled a lot living together, but you girls were amazing at kind of, for a whole year we did this, didn't we, really? And um, we were always incredibly bullish, but as nurturers and guardians, um, you weren't necessarily totally convinced that everything was going to work out in the very beginning. Do you have any thoughts you want to add at that? Um, yeah, you two shared a little office Um, with an old little fireplace in it, I remember. And you would just disappear in there just all day, hours and hours on end. And then you'd come out um, having decided absolutely nothing. (laughs) And we would would look inside and there would be a whiteboard covered with things that made no sense whatsoever. There were gear sticks, 
and I don't know, five of everything and lots of random words that made no sense at all. And I, we I remember um, getting the notes that would say, we think this is you, read over it and see if you agree. And I remember thinking, I'm too busy, <laughs> you know, to put it in perspective, Stephen Helen's children were two, nine and 11 and ours were um, 11, 11 13. 13 and 15. And, um, and you were doing homeschooling, yes, weren't I you? I was homeschooling high schoolers. And I, I jokingly now say, you know, anytime you watch something on TV that says, do not try this at home, <laughs> the, the, the glamorous picture we paint does need to come with a warning. But five years, <laughs> but five years on, Giant is now doing a lot of the things that we said it was, maybe not all the products, but certainly in terms of vision, mission, values. So I guess the idea of just being able to celebrate something, even now for our concrete guardians and nurturers, there is a little more there than perhaps you anticipated five years ago. Just give, this is us asking for a little bit of public encouragement, really. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I do love that your listeners probably are... There's four million listeners. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> um, I love that you may be hearing and understanding voices by now, so you probably do get to hear mine, Guardian, which I'm now proud of, Guardian Nurture, I should say. So I do ask a lot of questions because I care. And <laughs> Helen's beautiful nurturing voice with the lovely accent. Um, but five years down the road, there are many, many miraculous things that come out of challenge and investment and hard work. And so it's, it is wonderful to come together and celebrate just really knowing ourselves and knowing our voices and truly, especially with our spouses and our children, for me and probably for Helen, <laughs> um, to know and understand their voice so that you can really have a healthy relationship. And, and tell them our voice, our kids' mm -hmm. voices real quick. Yes. So I am a guardian married to a connector, raising a creative a guardian pioneer who, and a nurturer. That's good. Okay. So yes, just talking about um, Hedster and just the amount of time that we spent together just reminds me how there were really, you know, there were some very challenging times, I think. It wasn't all roses at all. But actually looking back now and thinking what's come out of it, um, especially the voices, I think, you know, we're all very different. And um, it's just given us a whole language to, to work that through. And it kind of makes sense of all those difficult you know, some difficult times and some difficult conversations. And you guys have kids, your kids are... Yeah, so Steve and I are complete opposites. I am a nurturer guardian. Steve Mom, is... Pioneer connector. Yeah, and our kids are... Um, Izzy's a connector. She's a connector creative. Um, Megan is a mm, creative pioneer. Yeah. And Charlotte, who is only seven, we're not sure yet, but she seems to be a chip off the old block. <laughs> a young pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> Just for Helen's joy, bringing up all these pioneers at home. And I was thinking today just about um, this morning and what conversation we may add and thinking you don't have to have this big adventure to grow. You know, when you talk about the challenges of Headser, they're in every household. They're with your immediate family, your extended family, your school, your neighborhood. And I think that's one benefit is we learn so much from each other and have grown so much. But to get to walk it out in all the circles of my current life back in the U.S., I am so thankful for it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so the, the 
last couple of days, we've basically just been celebrating. So we went back to Hedzer area. We went to Cliveden. We had some great opportunities to spend time uh, really reminiscing. And really last night um, or the night before last, the last two days, we've been celebrating specifically, which is the topic of today and celebration. So uh, thank you, ladies, thank for you. attending. You're off the hook. And they're like, oh, good. We made it. We made it through. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, actually have a full giant day today. We've got in the UK, we have all of our UK giants uh, coming to spend the day uh, in the Cockrum's house. And so it's going to be really, really fun. So That's awesome. I, I never thought we'd pull that off, Jeremy. Absolutely. I can't, you don't realize how rare, listeners, that is to get Helen and Kelly in the same room willing to talk on a podcast. Two introverts. It took us a day and a half to convince <laughs> them to do it. And of course, we had to provide them with a detailed list of all the questions we would ask. None of which, None we, of which we talked about. And they actually wanted to talk more. There you which go. We knew, Look at that. we knew they would. Obviously, we know best. So, and they never listened to this, so it's fine. Yeah, that, there you go. So, those all the listeners, uh, we are married, and we do have wives, and it was real. There you go. And that we didn't hire those people to come and do that. So, <laughs> we'd have hired far better actresses if we'd been that's trying true. to put it on. So yeah, that was like blah blah blah. But celebration, Josie, is a. I think kind of I, I can credit you more with this than me. I think that over the years we've kind of learned that actually celebration is not something that leaders are good at, whether it's in communication code or just that sense of the driven future orientated people struggle to almost take time to celebrate particular milestones, particular achievements. And you've helped me grow in this. And I think the last, you know, Two, three days there's some interesting comments on facebook going oh my goodness you know you guys have been celebrating for two three whole days and part of me thinking is that irresponsible do people think with this but i actually think there's something deeply profound in a leadership psyche and team where actually celebration becomes an integral part of the the rhythms and the kind of rites of passage and the, the, the process of how businesses grow. So tell us a little bit more about how you've seen that and yes. why you're so passionate about it. Well, you know, people often say um, in goal setting, they said that you will tend to overestimate the amount that you can accomplish in a six month or one year period. <laughs> We've never been accused of that, and, obviously. And underestimate what you can do in a five year period. Yeah. And so really what this is, is the five years on, we had a vision, five years sitting in Hetzer in this, in this office. I mean, it was a 10 bedroom manor house, mm. but we shared this office and we went through back and forth and back and forth because we had had so much uh, historical uh, pain and gain, good things, bad things, things that we've experienced, things we wanted to change. And we wanted to craft something that could change the world. We wanted to create language that could actually change the world. So we had to go into the forge, if you will, and hammer things out and work on things. Mm -hmm. So um, to take time to celebrate is not just uh, ego. It's Mm -hmm. really going back to the original concepts, stopping for a bit, Mm -hmm. high-fiving, celebrating, looking at your current world, and then it's fuel for the next five years. And if you celebrate really well and you actually learn how to celebrate, then you actually pull the other people into your world as well. In our cases, it's Helen and Kelly. Because they got to celebrate too. Because honestly, for those listening, uh, you know, five years ago, we were dreaming about where we would be in five years. And they're kind of rolling their eyes as they're <laughs> taking care of kids and doing life. And, you know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, they actually did get to see. Yeah. In the last five years, there's been a lot that's happened in the giant world. And we're just on the verge of unbelievable launches. Yeah. So we're now dreaming about the next five years. And it's been interesting to watch them really get more excited yeah. um, about that. 
I think one of the, my reflections has been that the circles of influence is such an int a powerful lens when you're looking at something. So if I think of celebrating, you know, um, how do you celebrate yourself? Now, as a Brit, that feels almost like a, a kind of an oxymoron. I mean, uh, how could that be so? Because that feels like arrogance. Right. So being a liberator yourself sometimes is actually to celebrate that certain things have been achieved and that you played a part in that process. I think what we were doing was we were recognizing that really family are always part of business success and that actually actually taking the time to invite Helen and Kelly in because without them and our partnership and what we've done, I mean, most of the content came out of the fact that how we failed with them all got it wrong. Right. To really make sure they feel that they are true partners in what it is we're doing because they are. Mm -hmm. And then you go, how do we celebrate as team? How do we celebrate as organization? How do we celebrate as community? And I think that's just a really good, helpful lens for all of us, all of you who are listening here to go, Work your way out because I know different voices or different characters have different tendencies. Yeah, celebration. You know, again, the word itself it either evokes excitement or eye eye rolling. Uh, depends on yeah, the voice. <laughs> so let's go through each voice and go. How would how would what does celebration really look like for each voice? Yeah. Well, it's easiest to start with our own voices um, before we can go to others. So I'll start with the connector because connectors usually like to celebrate. They do. So a connector to celebrate really for connectors is just the idea of, look, I had I saw the aspiration in you and I saw the, the idea that we wanted to accomplish. And if we did accomplish it, then they want credit they want, uh, they want to be able to have a party to celebrate because it's an outward expression that we did it. Yeah. And is everyone aware of all the hard work that went into it? Do you see how much work we did? We did it. Yeah. And so it's just that marking that moment. And so usually uh, they like to do it in forms of going yeah, ambiance or a location or somewhere that would be distinctive so there can be a memory attached to that place. Mm. So, how easy do you find as a connector to celebrate yourself? What does it need other people? If you work your way through those circles uh, of influence, yeah, yeah. So celebrating yourself uh, would be, I think, fairly easy to celebrate. I'm glad yourself. you said that because I didn't challenge you. Other, <laughs> well, I think though, there's still a part of you which it struggles with. Is it okay? Yeah. But there's a natural desire to go. I did a good thing, and I'd like to high five with. But others. to celebrate ourselves, actually, it's the validation of someone else. Yeah. Once someone else validates that we did it, yeah. then the celebration of self actually starts. Yes. It's not usually self-invoked. So somebody has to speak the truth in love to you for it to mean something. Is yeah. that everybody or does it need to be specific? Uh, I think it's specific people yeah. tied to that. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that. Probably anyone who says good job or whatever, <laughs> it goes into the bank. Yeah, okay. But there's specific people that if they said good job, that you did exactly, that's when that person can be released to celebrate. Yeah. Then it will go outward into family naturally. Yeah. You don't have to tell a, a, a connector to celebrate because yeah. they'll go, let's go to dinner. Let's yeah. go to a whatever. And then they want to go to a place that means something. Yeah. So it's either a special place or a unique place. Yeah. Then with a team, of course, if they feel like the bosses or other people have validated it, then they want to come back and go, good job. And they want to actually bring life to everyone else. And how does it feel when you're ready to celebrate and somebody just critiques and says and just moves on? Yeah, gosh. It's just, it's just <laughs> no, obviously, like, I've never done that at all in our <laughs> years of partnership. <laughs> That's how the communication code was built. <laughs> it was, yeah. Right. It, 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 would be, um, it would be like water on a fire. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it comes out a little bit. The flame's still there. Yeah. 
And then if, if there's wind or flame, it can come back, but it definitely would damper the, the mood. And, and also, oftentimes I will say the immature connectors will over-celebrate before it's actually happened. Yes. So you've got to be careful if you're a connector to celebrate the, the reality, not your dream. So, hey, we got a big deal. Well, did we really get a big deal? It hasn't been closed yet. <laughs> Once it's been, just because someone said it, well, when the check's in the mail or the money's in the bank, yes. that's when you celebrate. Yeah, that's maturity. That's so good. I mean, I think, obviously, I'm a pioneer connector, so I have a little bit of that kind of connector, just yeah. that usually it's it's more strategic in who I connect with. Yeah. But as a pioneer, I think, do I, do I celebrate myself? I think I know when I've done a good job. So I, I can do that. And... But there are usually one or two people who, if they say I did it well, well, that means the world. Lots of people can say, yeah, you did great, you did great. But it, I think for a pioneer, it's the affirmation of competency from somebody whose opinion you truly value. For someone who you value their competency. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes, that's a recurring thing. And I, I think that the, the, the thing I've observed in, in family is, and team for me is, I'm open to celebration conceptually if I think it was a success. It was warranted? Yes, but it's usually for a very limited period of time before we move on. So I think my learning has been is that my default tendency in both family, it's a birthday, great, we've done that, let's move on. Or team, yes, we've celebrated, we've had a nice dinner, let's everyone get back to work and what are we doing next? So I think that the main challenge for most pioneer, particularly even pioneer connector, being certainly a pioneer guardian, a pioneer creative in there, is we, we, we intellectually adhere to the concept of celebrating success as long as it is success, but I don't believe we ever truly attend long enough for the majority of our team to believe it's anything more than a, a functional tick box of yes we should because it's time to move on. And I don't want anyone feeling we've achieved already and therefore they're going to take their foot off the gas. Right. Isn't that fa- fascinating? Because there's this pr- feeling of like, hey, hey we've we got to keep working. Well, in the last couple of days, what have we done? I mean, we've we've gone on walks. We've been um, in some unique places that were part of the very beginning. At Clifton, we went to the Pollen Street Social. Yeah. Had an amazing long dinner. We went to uh, a lunch. Yeah, we went to a long. Um, I mean, we went to a musical. But the process of that, if you think about how much work have we gotten done in the last two days? Lots, because we talk a lot. Yeah. So, but it was in the framework of celebrating to go, where are we now? Yeah. Where do we want to be in the future? Yeah. So we also gave the chance for our wives to be a part of the celebration yes. and then they added value into the conversations. Because we, we actually asked the question, what does celebration look like for their voices? Yeah. Not what would we just do? So actually realizing that going places that were beautiful, like a, a Cleveland Spa, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the sensors or the, the guardians and the nurturers, they celebrate in very different ways. Like when we asked what was the highlight, for Helen it was walking down Marlebone High Street and looking into some of these quirky little shops that we never normally have time for. So I feel that kind of, I'm thinking, really that was the highlight of your day? I'm like, oh, you're wired differently. And rather than assuming that, well, we know how to celebrate. Right. I think that's a really important thing if you lead people in any way, lead families, or yeah. is actually taking the time to realize the way you celebrate is not the way everyone else would choose yeah. to do it. So there's a real opportunity to learn, collaborate, and to draw. And to be quite honest, there are some people who are better at planning celebrations. That's right. And so, but what does celebration unlock? There's something there that it unlocks because even in the time I'd love to celebrate, 
but you know we we've flown over here, so we're almost forced to you know, be longer than yeah. we normally would be in the states. Much longer. Yeah. But <laughs> but to go um, the, the idea of what it's done is it's actually unlocked really a future vision. Yeah. Because we're like, okay, we've done the hard yards to get here. Look at what we've accomplished. Can we high five and celebrate that? That's awesome. Now, is it everything we wanted? No. Is it? But for the most part, we've we've hit our, our goals. Mm. Now we go, okay, let's regroup. Mm. And now we know that we... So it almost breeds confidence. Yep. And it does... Even I noticed it in Helen Kelly. Yep. They're more confident in us yep. and where we're going because of what they've seen in the last five years. Yeah. To go, okay, the next five years seems attainable, even though our goals are much higher yes. than where they were. And then that's interesting? I, I, you know, I think kind of everyone would expect the connector to say that. All I would say is that as the, as the pioneer, I go, there is something happens when you take the time to, to use all the gears in the same sort of space. So we've had so much fun, but it's, it's almost like you need to be at a waste time with the people you love and the people you... So some of it ends up being a little bit of work, some of it ends up just being this kind of third gear connecting. Some of it actually ends up being quite deep and profound. You know, like our, yeah. our celebration dinner where we actually spoke words of encouragement and affirmation and celebration over each other. And our wives played as equal parts of you and I. Uh, that would never have happened five years ago. Yeah. And in some ways, that's the power of celebration. Because what I think it does is it unlocks relational connection. It unlocks that sense of relational trust. And it helps those of us who are very task-focused to actually really not only value, but validate and celebrate that actually for other individuals, it's very different. That's just me kind of owning my own challenges, I think, as Pioneer, because I'm trying to learn how to celebrate without it appearing irresponsible, which is, I think, a, a constant tension, or people looking at us, which I'm sure they will on Facebook, thanks to you, you know, going, ah, so these boys have made it, and now they're off, and it's like, no, this is us choosing to invest some of our own capital in actually marking something in our friendship, in our partnership. And actually, we want the world to know. We don't mind. And, and we've shared this with, with you in the past, but we do different dinners in the evenings. And, um, and really, when we gather people, we do different types of dinners. Last night, or the night before last, it was the celebration dinner that Steve was talking about. And what that, does, what that is, is it basically you pick a person, and then you, you basically celebrate them. What, what do you see in them that you want to celebrate? And it's as simple as that. And it was unbelievable. We had four of us. And we just, you just pick one person and everyone goes. Mm-hmm. Then that person picks another person and then until you get through the, the lot. And it was so powerful because you hear things that, again, you would only hear, a person would only hear at their funeral and they would never hear them. Yeah. And so that, and then we, Steve recorded that. And so it was just really, really powerful of what, you know, there's certain words spoken over you. And that whole phrase, you become the words you know, spoken over you, basically. You become that in time. And so that's really what uh, celebration is about. So creative, let's do creative. Because in all honesty, I would say of all the voices that struggle most to celebrate, creative would find it the most difficult. Because for a creative, it's never as perfect as what they visioned it was in their head in the beginning. So this idea we talk about that 90% has to be good enough sometimes. Because a lot of the creatives, whether they're creative pioneers or creative connectors, almost have this internal perfectionist understanding of what they want themselves, the family, the team, the organization to be, that they almost drive themselves to the point where celebration almost becomes impossible because we never quite made it. And I think that's one of those, 
releasing words. I mean, you know, to be a liberator to the most creatives, we actually, well, the moment they understand, ah, oh, so what I see in my head and vision in the beginning will probably never, ever become 100% complete. And that's okay, because if you don't learn how to celebrate, people get worn out around a creative. They love them. They, they, I mean, the creative connector could not give more of themselves to people, or the genius of the creative pioneer. But the, the kind of the, the wearing there is on family, team, and arose around them, because you never get to celebrate, because it's never, we've never achieved it. We've never hit the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I've watched that, haven't we, as we work with leaders, the aha of going, what it unlocks in people when people are going, I think we've done a great job. Have we done a great job? And the creative leader goes, guys, we're going to celebrate. And they sometimes have to laugh and go, it's only 90% in my head, but I've learned that my 90% yeah. is 110% for others. And I want you to know, I think you guys have done an amazing job. Or kids, I'm so proud of you. I think for creatives, that celebration before perfection is one of those real liberating I do too. I think if, if they can learn to do that, it yeah. would unleash a lot. And it would help them connect Absolutely. from emotional intelligence to people. Yeah. Because again, that pressure of that uh, blueprint in their head, mm -hmm. when they look at something and see it's not complete, and they can see where it's not complete, and they can then nitpick and pinpoint. And so usually they're the ones who get tomatoes thrown at them because of frustration. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I do think that's your, your point. Uh, one of the ideas I've had from a coach uh, that I've been working with, he's been sharing with me, setting minimal goals and then having target goals and then having stretch goals. So what happens by the minimal goal is it's an opportunity to celebrate then. Most people create target and stretch. But if you create minimal goals, so like uh, our giant TV, uh, we're launching giant.tv uh, in November. Minimal goal for us is 5,000 subscribers. If we can get to 5,000 subscribers, we're gonna celebrate. And uh, Shane, who's helping me, he basically said, I want you to write out what the celebration would be at the minimal goal. So what we've done is we have a, now we have a minimal goal and a celebration written down when we hit it. So by giving that to creatives, that might be a way for them to not have to, to be perfect. And I think the other thing is by making a concrete goal which is actually minimal, and everyone goes, we can do that, you actually create the opportunity for nurturers and guardians to go, oh, we could celebrate that. Yeah. Because the tendency, I would say, of the pioneers, the creators, the connectors, is because we can see how the world could be different, you don't actually, you, you, you kind of create, a, the celebration is so far out, it becomes irrelevant to people who live in the present. So I think that, I really like that. I, I know we've begun to incorporate it into the way we do planning. So it's still hard for some of us to get over, we're gonna celebrate that? Oh, okay, yeah. we're gonna celebrate that. That's great, I'm really proud of that. <laughs> but if you what think about the five million I was anticipating? If, if you think of that goal though, the minimal goal could yeah. be an accelerant to the target goal. Yes, exactly. Because there's a little bit of a, hey, high five. Now you're not going crazy, it's not gonna be the celebration of the future of the century yeah. but it's at least it's a little celebration to then get people motivated for the next one yeah. so which goes back to the nurture and guardian because um, oftentimes it's it's really hard it's hard for the creative to celebrate but celebration for a nurture is around people yeah. and guardians usually around task well most nurturers feel it's that they struggle to celebrate because they always judge themselves against impossibly high standards and that even when they've achieved it, it would be self-indulgent when there are other things that could be done with that right. time, with other that money. To help. Um, so to, to take time for themselves, they'd find it easier to do it for team and family, yeah. but it's almost like how do they get to be part of the celebration rather than the ones who organize it?
Yeah. That I think is one of the key things because nurturers, if you you know, if you look around the room and go, hey, who wants to organise this? Nurturers by instinct will put their hand up because they don't want anyone else put out, which means basically they don't usually get to experience as much because they're now worried, is everyone else having a great time? So I would ban nurturers from organising celebration inside your team because they would do it anyway, but by doing it, you almost rob them of the opportunity to experience it. I see that so often. Guardians? Yeah, guardians, I mean, it's task-oriented, so it's checklists. And so I think there's an, a natural checklist in their mind. So like in Kelly's case, she can't celebrate until a task is complete. Mm. And so it's, it's almost giving them, is there a minimal task of completion that we can at least celebrate here and at least yeah. recognize that it's logical to be able to celebrate here? Yeah. It usually has to be proportionate. Because for the guardian as the steward of resources and finances, you know, any expenditure would appears slightly frivolous, fluffy, and fun, and not totally devoted to achieving the objective, kind of is like, well, okay, what's the purpose? So I think there's a lot of learning for guardians to understand that they connect, the connecting with people, that how much those shared memories. If, if people look back over the five years or so of being a giant, we always remember the event. We don't remember all the hard work, we don't remember the calls, but we remember that boat trip in the afternoon in Atlanta with the partners. We remember certain celebration dinners. We remember certain places. So I think that's the thing to go into. What we're creating is milestones and memories, which, and families create milestones, they create memories, they create special kind of occasions that become part of the tribal identity. And I think, you know, there's no doubt that where teams feel relationally connected where communication's healthy, where there is real trust, then the ability to work is so much greater. So for those of you who are very task-focused and going, what, you're saying I need to spend a little bit more on X or Y, okay, the return on that investment is far more than you probably would imagine if you just look at a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Because there is something about the culture and the things, I mean, the values. If celebration becomes a value in your organisation, then don't forget, leaders have to define it. You can't outsource it. And if you think giving people just a percentage rise or, you know, here's the present that the PA bought for you is really celebrating, you've missed it. What they want to know is, are you prepared to own celebration as a, as a culture and put your time and effort into organizing it, which is different. So for those who are leading people, what are the celebration moments? What are the celebration events? What are the milestones that need to get set? What are the minimal goals that can happen with your target goals and your stretch goals? Write out in each one of those, how are you going to celebrate? Mm -hmm. Minimally, we're going to hit, once we do this, we're going to need to do what? Might be a lunch out, okay? It might be, doesn't have to be big. It can be you do something silly and stupid in the office. Um, hit our, hitting our target goals, how are we going to celebrate? Write it down. Hitting your stretch goals, that's massive celebration. What is the big thing? If you hit a big, big goal, what are you going to do? Those are ways you can do it. You can do it in your family. You can do it with your team. You can do it in your organization. Any, any last thoughts for you, Steve? I think the last thought is to recognize if you do for others what you would want done for you, you'll get it wrong 80% of the time. Yeah. So when we talked around dinner about what would celebration really look like for you, and like Helen felt guilty, but she said, you know, sometimes having a present that actually marks an occasion that is tangible and concrete. Well, buying presents for me, just jewelry, never... I mean, for me, you buy me jewellery, I'm like, why have you done that? So I think it's taking the time as leaders, as parents, as spouses, as organisations to go, 
what does celebration really look like for the people I'm trying to celebrate with? Rather than assuming, well, I know what we're going to do. We're going to go bowling again, or we're going to... It's, it's, I think that's... We're back to intentional, not accidental. Sometimes you can spend a lot of time and a lot of money, and you don't get any return on that investment because it's not appreciated. Usually because you haven't done the work of thinking, well, how does my team celebrate? What does it really like to do? more than what do I choose to do if I'm selfish enough to control that. So great stuff. I mean, I, I just encourage everybody. I think that this is a learned behavior for many of us. It's certainly a learned behavior for me. But kind of five years on, I, I actually see the real benefit of it personally. I see the benefit in our families. I see the benefit certainly in our team and in the organizations that people we reach. So it gets my pioneer seal of approval, which obviously in my mind means a great deal. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we actually get to pull our wives in here. That's yeah. great. We actually there you go. We can celebrate that. Episode two, 45 it took us to, but we got there. And, and to get two introverts in, that's great. All right, for all of those listening, we wish you well. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.